Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. I'm your host, Chet Czar, and today we have a really great interview with artist Ed Binkley. I'm a huge fan of Ed's. You may have seen his work recently on uh, a couple tool posters. <clears throat> great monster artist, not a painter. I thought he was a painter, but he's a colored pencil guy, um, which we will talk about in depth. Anyway, great interview, super great guy. Really enjoyed talking to him. And that's coming up. He's got a show, a solo show at Copro Gallery uh, this Saturday, I believe the 2nd, March 2nd. Um, and uh, you should go to it. Let's see. 2nd, yeah, March 2nd, 6 p.m. at Copro Gallery in Santa Monica. Um, so, yeah, go to the show. If you're in LA, I'm going to be there. Uh, so is Gabe Leonard. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, what's been going on with me? Nothing. Uh, commissions. Finishing commissions. Um, so I can get started on my solo show. And um, other things. That's pretty much it. Just trying to get commissions. Still, same same pattern I've been in for the last two months. Getting, getting rid of, uh, getting done with uh, commissions. Uh, so that I could clear space for my solo show. <clears throat> That's about it. Nothing exciting to report here. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash darkartsociety and, and join for as little as a dollar. And when you do, you for the, uh, is it the rest of this month? I think it's to the end of February or March. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the last episode. <clears throat> I talk about it there. Um, uh, if you, At any level, if you join, you get a 20% discount code. I know it's at least for this month. It might be for next month. I think, I think it might be next month, too. I probably should have um, figured that out before I did this. Uh, but in the, the $5 and above level, you get a 25% discount if you join at the $5 and above level. So that's just for the next month or so. Um, if you want to see what I'm up to, you can go to patreon.com slash and I post everything I'm working on and do time lapses and all kinds of stuff. And I think that's it. Oh yeah. If you, if you, uh, join the Patreon, you get your, your name read on the podcast, but no new subscribers this week. So if you want to subscribe, head on over to patreon.com slash dark art society and get your name read on the air next week. Okay, that's it. Let's get on with the interview. It's a really fun one. Ed's a great guy, great artist, and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go with Ed Binkley. Hello, Ed. Hello, Chet. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so good. so excited to have you on the podcast. I've been a, a, a instant huge fan as soon as I first saw your work, which was, I guess, around the time maybe Gary started showing you. Okay. I think that might be when I first. So uh, a couple of years back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, thank you. Stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I love it. Um, Thank you. The feeling's mutual. I've been following your work for years now. 
Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's uh, that's always a little bonus. It's nice to hear artists that you like like your work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, um, yeah. I, I was I, I was reading a little bit about you as well, and um, it's interesting that you're colorblind. This, yes, you're. This is you're either the second or third colorblind artist I've had on the show. Yeah, you know. So I had a few colorblind students over the years too. Ah, and. Uh, they they were discouraged, of course, and 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 I I told them that you know we discovered that I was colorblind when I was about five years old, mm. and uh, so when when we were doing uh, finger painting like in kindergarten, everybody else was doing you know local color blue skies green grass, mm. and I just wanted the black jar, and I was doing line drawings of monsters <laughs> you know, with, with, with finger paints. So. Wow, yeah, it sounds like we would have gotten along well together (laughs) probably yeah yeah uh yeah what what colors can you not see because i know certain colorblind people can some can not see blues and some can't see reds yeah yeah i'm i'm red green colorblind which is the most common uh, form uh which means that uh the way i understand it uh, and it seems to be true for me we have trouble seeing red additions to colors so I see a lot of color. My my world is full of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see blue, um, but but I can't tell you when it starts to go purple until it gets really gaudy purple. Oh, I can see that. Okay. I can see magenta, for example. Uh, I can see um, uh, green and brown look the same to me because I can't see the red addition to the green that begins to turn it brown yeah. until it gets like like brick you know brick red uh, and heavy on the red side and then i can see that interesting uh, so that and pale pink to me is gone it's just light gray oh wow what a trip there, yeah. there's yeah. are there any glasses you could they don't have any filters that you or glasses don't they that you can look through I, there, and... been, there been several generations of those and i've tried each one since i was a kid since i was a teenager mm-hmm. um they seem to make things brighter hmm. uh more intense but i still could not differentiate between green and brown or blue and lavender and, and things like oh, that wow. it didn't didn't seem to fix it what a trip yeah well that's kind of amazing that uh i i really admire uh artists that are colorblind that like just go i'm i'm an artist i'm gonna do it anyway <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know because i yeah. a, a lot of people i imagine would say i can't be an artist I, i'm colorblind you know and that was my was some students told me that you know i don't think i can do this and i said well there the, yeah, there are certain things you cannot do mm-hmm. you won't be able to do uh, but, um, uh, and, and I think it's one of the reasons that I gravitated eventually toward color pencil, mm-hmm. uh, because it says right on the pencil, what color it is. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and my wife is, is, uh, an artist too, and wow. an excellent colorist. Mm. So whenever I do color work, most of my work is monochrome, but whenever I do color work, I know what I want because I took art, I took color theory courses in college. Mm-hmm. So I know what I want psychologically and know the effect that I want. And then she helps me pick out a palette. Oh, wow. uh, so she'll, she'll just give me eight or eight or 10 or 12 pencils for a particular, uh, object, uh, subject within a drawing. And, uh, so once I had those pencils, I just stay in my lane and draw. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You, you know, and, 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 uh, a, a lot of, I think, um, a lot, a lot of great artists, 
um, play to their strengths when they're creating oh, their sure. work. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure, um, I think they all do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and, and avoid their weaknesses. Right. <laughs> that's the key. Yeah. That's that's the key yeah. to success, or at least it's yeah. you know you you've got as a to be to be a professional artist. There's, I think, so many um, hurdles to overcome in a lot of ways, and so yeah. you know any any uh, opportunity to overcome those hurdles easily, you know, take them. You know, that's that's yes. that's, that's why I look like a bum. Because it's one of the it's one of the it's one of the few perks you get for being an artist. It's you can look like a bum, and people are like, "Oh, that guy's not homeless; he's an artist." <laughs> well, I, I think you know, being an artist was it um, David Bowie who said, uh, uh, "You know, being an artist of any kind is an audacious act. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Putting your stuff out there, musically or visual arts or whatever, putting your stuff out there, out there, and saying, you know, look at this, look at what I did.'" Uh, is an audacious act to begin with. Right. So, so uh, we 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 tend to uh, we tend to live on the edge of audacity, I yeah. guess, in, in general. So. True, uh, and and I I do see a lot of uh, younger artists or students kind of um, being afraid to show their work, and you know it's difficult yeah. to do at first. Yeah, and um, you know I always just say you got to do it anyway if you want to yes. make this happen. You know I did. I, yeah. When I when I decided to have a career in fine art, I was I made myself do all these things I didn't want to do, like go to shows by myself and mm -hmm. meet the curators and meet patrons, and it was just yes. painful for me because I was, I was yeah. so shy, you know. But I just like yeah. I have to do it. There's just no way of getting out of it. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's I think that's the best advice you could give to a young artist is get your get your work out there, mm. go to conventions, for example, right. and meet people, uh, ask them about their work. Yeah, um, and sometimes those artists, the professionals, will offer to take a look at your work. Yep, uh, take advantage of that. You know, if they offer, um, it it it's um, uh, it, when you go to a convention or or an art opening or a show. I used to tell students, uh, go and talk to the artist, go and introduce yourself and, and approach them because chances are if they didn't like to talk to people, they wouldn't be doing a convention. Right. You know, the yeah. fact that they're in the convention means that it means that, uh, that, uh, they won't mind right. questions about their work. Yeah. That's how I got my first job when I was working in the film industry. Cause I used to work in effects, makeup yeah, effects. Yeah. Yep. And, and, uh, I, it's funny. I was I was taking this guy from out of town around town to the studios, and I hadn't worked in effects, but he, we were both like young dudes who wanted to be makeup effects artists. And yeah. he came out from Tennessee. We were like pen pals back in the day yeah. when you had to be, you know, there was no inter email yeah. or internet. Um, so I drove him around, and he was showing his book, his his portfolio to the different shops, and I was too shy to show mine. <laughs> unless the person asked and this one guy asked do you do this stuff and i said yeah and i have my portfolio with me i was just too shy to do it yeah. and 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 then he um he's like can i see it he was a really nice guy this guy tony gardner and he ended up um hiring me he hired me and not the other guy and i worked <laughs> for 10 years for him that's how i got my foot in the door in the yeah. film industry you know i was i was gonna say you know you were the shy one and look at where you are now yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm a yeah. testament yeah. to you can do, if you just make yourself do it you can build these skills like yeah 
speaking and talking to people. And, and even, even now I don't speak very, um, in, in, in a fluid way on the, I'm better than I used to be, but I'm very like stammery and I'm just not a good speaker, but naturally we, we artists don't yeah. tend to be, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're not expressing ourselves through words generally, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, I remember being a little kid really young and, and, um, I always say, I always say this on the podcast many times. Sorry if you've heard this before, but um, to listeners, um, I remember being a little kid and not being able to verbalize what I was thinking and being so yeah. frustrated. Yeah. So I think like um, yeah. I was maybe uh, I don't know. There's something wrong with me, and so I was <laughs> I was not not as verbal as other kids. So I was maybe able to get it out through artwork or something, you know? Oh, oh I grew up, I, I didn't, I didn't wonder if something was wrong with me. I just assumed something was wrong with me <laughs> throughout, throughout my whole childhood. I, I was very quiet. Uh, and I had that same kind of frustration. And I think that's why I started drawing. I started drawing when I was three or four years old. Same here. Mm -hmm, me too. And I drew as a reaction to experiences good and bad. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how I dealt with it. Yeah. Me too. I mean, that's yeah. basically my story. Um, yeah. So tell me where, where did you grow up and tell me your, your art journey? I grew up in Tennessee. In fact, you oh, mentioned wow. your friend from Tennessee. <laughs> I, I grew up in Nashville. Um, and I was, uh, I grew up in a family of classical musicians. Wow. Cool. Uh, and, but, but I'm adopted. They were singers. They're opera singers. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I'm adopted. And I, you know, I'm, I'm little, I don't have that, that operatic mm -hmm. rib cage and, and, and the big skull and everything. <laughs> uh, so I, I learned to play piano in self-defense kind of, um, <laughs> and started college actually as a music major. I was a piano major oh, wow. in college. Uh, but I had been drawing since I was, like I said, three or four years old. Uh, and it really was my first love. Uh, it, it was what it was my default activity. Whenever I had time to myself, I yeah. would go to my room, shut the door, and draw. Sounds familiar. And um, I, I became a piano major largely at my dad's insistence. Um, but that wasn't in the cards. I draw better than I play piano. And uh, so uh, I have to. I have to stop you. I have to stop you because sure. I was in a band for ten years. I'm a guitar player. Um, cool. I, I used to play piano like when I was really little as well, just cause we had a piano in the house and, yeah. um, and I, and I came to the realization, even though the band we were in was really good when it finally broke up, I, I didn't, I, I came back to visual art and it was like, Oh, I'm way better at this than I am at music. <laughs> yeah. It just was like naturally, yeah. you, you know, but, but anyway, continue. I yes. just, I just had to yeah. interject. No, that. No, and, and drawing came easy for, I, I, right. I drew badly when I was a kid, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I didn't struggle with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and Same. I was, uh, Same. you know, and, and you were probably also like in elementary school and on through high school, I was the art kid. Yeah. I was, I was the guy who could draw yep. <laughs> and, um, uh, and got to college and started as a music major and quickly realized <laughs> that so I got there and I found out that I was like the third best pianist at a small college in Tennessee that didn't predict a career in 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 concert piano. Right. Uh, so I switched on my own to uh, to visual art, uh, and it was and it was it was the best move I could have made because uh, for the first time I felt like I was in a track, I was in a groove, mm -hmm. and I was really happy doing that. I wasn't very good. You yeah. know, for a long time, but, but, uh, but I was really happy doing what I was doing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the thing uh, with me as well. And when I got into oil painting, um, I I this, I started late, kind of late with painting. Like I was always drawing, and in mm-hmm. in the uh, effects business, I was a sculptor primarily. But I was also yeah. I would design creatures and stuff using Photoshop and. Um, and I didn't decide to get out of that until I was 33. And then I <clears throat> started to teach myself to paint in oils, but my stepfather was an oil painter too. So I grew up around it oh, and okay. I had a little bit of experience. Um, but yeah, once I started, I was like, Oh, I, you know, why was I <laughs> getting, you know, playing the guitar play, I'm trying to play like a lead guitar and I'm, and I just can't, there was a certain point I couldn't get past. Maybe if I yeah. had lessons, I would have been able to get past that, but I just was like, I couldn't get past it. And then when I got, when I started painting, I'm like, oh man, this feels so natural. This is where I should have been. This is the thing I used to dream about in the first grade, you know, being a a painter. It's just so funny, you know, that I kind of took this roundabout way. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I, when I finally uh, settled into the the track that would become my career uh, through through teaching and eventually into into uh, freelance work, uh, I look back on you know my music major days and and, and my reaction was kind of you know what was I thinking? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's so fun though. I, it's it's I I really en- I enjoyed writing music and playing music. I yeah. I, I do kind of miss it. But yeah. but I just wasn't as good at it as I am. Do you do you still play? I mean, I can. I pick it up once in a while, but you know how it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. Co- painting seven days a week. It's I don't really have right. time to do anything right. else. Right. But I would I, I would yeah. if I if you if you listen to this podcast, the theme song I I made, uh, I I played that I wrote that. Oh okay um, okay cool. And I and I learned a little bit about re- recording in the computer, but. I just don't have time to do anything right. other, other than, you know, keep the wheels from falling off. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. You, you, um, went to college and then, and what next? Yeah. And, uh, in, in college, um, uh, when, when I was 19, 18, 19, I, I was a pretty cocky jerk and I, I, I thought I was going to, uh, uh, I went from being a quiet kid to a cocky jerk. In, in, <laughs> Overcompensating in for the for the yeah, shyness, yeah. maybe. <laughs> and uh, I was gonna, you know, I was gonna finish college and and go to New York and show them all how it's done. <laughs> uh, and but I had one uh, professor uh, who 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 said uh, who said uh, that's uh, okay, yeah, yeah, you you do that. But along the way, why don't you take all of the graphic design courses in college you can get just as an insurance policy. And I did at his advice, and it was great advice because mm-hmm. out of college, that's how I made my living for the next six or eight years. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, until I finally, after several years of work as a graphic designer, I went back to graduate school, uh, and that's how I ended up in Wisconsin. Oh. I live in Madison, Wisconsin now, cool. uh, and went to graduate school uh, in printmaking. In fact, oh, and uh, graduated there uh, again. Worked as a graphic designer for a while. Uh, and finally had the opportunity to, to teach. Um, and I taught in the graphic design and illustration program at the two-year college here in Madison, uh, uh, Madison area technical college is the name of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ended up, uh, there for 30 years. That was my, wow. that was my career day job. Yeah. I uh, just retired a couple of years ago. Cool. 
But, uh, <laughs> Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Oh, it's great. Because now I get to do nothing but my own stuff, my right. own work. And it's been, it's been wonderful. That's great. Yeah, I was yeah. in the, I did the, in the film, I was in the film industry for about 20 years. And then I um, transitioned out of, out of it. Uh, it took seven years, it took seven yeah. years to get out. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So now yeah. you're, are you're not teaching anymore uh, in no. other ways um, or you're just done, you're done teaching? I'm, You've had enough I'm teaching? I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I loved teaching. I, I always loved being in the classroom and I loved students. Uh, but after 30 years, it was time. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and I handed off, I, I went about, um, seven or eight years into that 30 years, I had the opportunity, opportunity to create our, um, animation program. Oh, cool. So I wrote the curriculum for that. Wow. Uh, and, uh, continued to teach the art side, the concept art side of that, of that, um, curriculum, uh, for the next, uh, 15, 17 years after that. Wow. Uh, and just retired uh, two going on three years ago now, and handed it off to a much younger guy who has uh, uh, great ideas for where the program will go. And that, and that that was wonderful because after that long, I was sort of out of ideas. Right. And, yeah. uh, and uh, so, it, and that's not fair to the students. So it was a good time for me to leave. Good time for him to take over. And uh, and uh, I've been having a blast. Since yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, you know, since retirement, it's great. So, what do you, are you? Uh, were you? Have you? You? You've, you've done uh, freelance all throughout while you were teaching. That was kind of like an ex extra money thing or an extra gig type thing. Yes, yeah, I did, uh, and and I freelanced uh, the the first uh, the first half of my teaching career. I freelanced a lot uh, for the money and and for the experience. Um, and eventually got to the point uh, where I could begin, uh, I, I could do a little more picking and choosing mm -hmm. uh, and taking the better jobs, uh, better by my definition, meaning more creative and eventually meaning more toward fantasy work, mm. uh, fantasy and horror work. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so by, by the time, up to about, uh, beginning about five years before I retired, I was doing nothing but that, you know, by that time. Uh, oh, just wow. fantasy stuff yeah. and, uh, having, you know, having, having so much fun. Yeah. And then when I retired, I launched, uh, uh, launched my own sort of, uh, business doing contract work, uh, but also trying to, um, uh, trying to break into galleries and, and, uh, and doing that. And that's gone well too so far. Yeah. So then now I'm not really doing that much contract work uh, anymore. If something, if something comes along, that's really cool and really great. Then, then of course I want to do that. Right. Um, but, um, but, um, I, I don't, I don't have to anymore. Great. I don't have to take that. So. Excellent. It's so, so yeah. nice that you, you put your time in and now you can kind of do whatever you want and call the shots. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's kind of the way I look at it too. You know, I, I kind of paid my dues. Yeah, now, yeah. now I'm going to do what I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so how long have you been like presenting in galleries and just kind of presenting yourself in the fine art realm? Yeah, that's been relatively uh, uh, recent. Um, I uh, was an exhibitor several for several years back when Spectrum Convention was still going oh, on yeah. in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. uh, they that convention ran for five or six years before they they retired it. Uh, and a couple of collectors at the time I was doing because of what I had taught in college, 
I taught entirely digital concept work and illustration. Uh, And so that's what I was doing. I was doing fantasy work, but I was still doing it digitally and then selling prints. And a couple of collectors approached me at one of the Spectrum conventions and said, uh, and said, you, you really need to be doing originals. I said, we, we love your work. Uh, and, and we want to buy originals. Right. Yeah, and, and they said, you know, people, collectors have money. They're looking for really good quality work. They have money. They're willing to pay for originals. And that was a little bit of an, I was naive about that. It was kind of a new world to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started thinking about it and, and going back to, uh, colored pencil, which I had worked in many years before, 25 mm-hmm. years, 20 mm-hmm. years before that, going back into colored pencil and sort of, um, sort of, uh, learn my chops again. And, uh, went back the next year to the same convention, Spectrum Convention, and those collectors were true to their word. They each bought a couple of original pieces. Cool. So, wow. And, and, so, um, and I haven't looked back since then. I, I'd also forgotten how much I missed uh, traditional media, just, just plain yeah. old drawing, drawing mm-hmm. on paper. Yeah. I had a similar experience uh, because in the film industry, I mean, I was, I was sculpting physically the whole time, though, so, and painting, mm-hmm. airbrushing and stuff, creatures and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. I was doing physical stuff, but as far as two-dimensional art, <clears throat> you know, to do concept stuff, it, it makes so much more sense to do it on the computer for, for a yes. film because it's like you can right. change things and, yep. you, and you know, they love to change things and, yeah. you know, you can do things quickly and it doesn't, there doesn't need to be an original, but um, yeah. uh, once I, I, and I was into it, I liked it, you know, I, yeah. I kind of liked digital and and um, yeah. e- even got into uh after effects animation you know yeah. and 3d stuff i was getting yep. into 3d and stuff but once i started painting i just you know i couldn't go back it was yeah, like yeah. Is, this is way too fun i mean i've i've had uh uh tattoo people in the tattoo industry also want to teach me tattooing like pretty big names because yeah. lot i have a lot of tattoo artist fans which i'm sure you do mm-hmm. that you may yeah. not even know of yet because i didn't yeah. know for years that i had this whole fan base in the tattoo world because they're into monsters yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um i just yeah, my work uh my work lives on on uh, quite a few people now, oh good which, good which yeah i that's that's entirely up to them yeah. I, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's well but i also consider it all in a way sort of the ultimate compliment it is really you know that someone would want that kind of permanence and uh, they, they want your work with that kind of permanence on their own person yeah uh, that that's um um that that was uh shocking to me at first but mm-hmm. then i felt quite uh, quite touched by that yeah. yeah it's it's an honor for sure yeah um but yeah i i was i i was thinking about getting into tattooing and i just could not imagine anything being as fun as oil painting and i tried it i tried tattooing and it's like this is just oil painting satisfies me so much that i just can't it's perfect. Yeah. I don't need any, I don't need to do anything else. I need to figure out how to make this yeah. work to make money so I can keep doing it. Cause it's so much fun, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had that same kind of experience when I went back to drawing, uh, from digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love Photoshop. I yeah. still love Photoshop. Yeah, me too. Uh, and, and I love digital drawing and painting. Um, and, and we taught that in the, in the animation program, uh, because, uh, concept artists need to be able to to make multiple changes, rapid changes, 
uh, rapid variations on on a, on a single idea. Uh, but but when I finally got back to traditional drawing, uh, it it was another of those you know what was I thinking moments <laughs> in, in my life. Uh, but 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 I know why I did stuff digitally. Uh, right. But, but but I fell in love with drawing, uh, just just plain old media on paper all over again. Yeah. And, uh, and it's it's still my you know, my, my favorite work activity. It's wonderful. Yeah. I, it's, I think it's so cool that you use, um, colored pencils because you, for one thing, I thought for sure your stuff was, was painting paintings. I thought they're oil paintings. Thank you. Uh, th thank you. I, I actually try to get some aspects of the look of painting. And, and by the way, I can't paint, you know, because of my colorblindness, mm -hmm. Uh, um, uh, and, and the world will never see those attempts either. Uh, they're, they're, they're long gone. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I have, I have good friends, uh, here in Madison who are painters, uh, mostly, um, plein air landscape painters mm. and listening to them talk about the concerns that painters have, like, um, like, uh, edge control and, and, right. and, and, and warm versus cool. Uh, it fascinates me, and so I try to work that into my color pencil drawings. I'm very aware of the kinds of edges I create, mm -hmm. and, and very aware of creating um, uh, focal areas versus uh, versus um, support areas and that sort of thing. So, so listening to those painters, uh, listening to people like you, um, uh, has a lot to do with with the concerns uh, that I have when I actually draw with a sharpened pencil. Yeah. Well. I was going to say, um, it's also really cool because, you know, you, you, there's not a lot of colored pencil fine artists out there. I mean, they mm -hmm. exist, but it's, it's not as many, uh, people that are painting in oils or acrylics even. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, I fell in love with, uh, colored pencils, Prismacolor back yeah. yep. and let me see. I took a class. My dad knew a guy that was a, a an illustrator, and he taught a class. It was at like community this community college. It must have been nineteen eighty five or eighty six, and it was colored okay. pencil, and we had to make um, uh, using this guy's technique make like this rose, a picture of a rose. So mm -hmm. I got my picture of my rose. And I used his technique, and it looked like an oil painting. It was incredible, yep. and 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 it's. Yeah. It, I've always wanted to kind of go back to it because I, I I still have that painting, and I remember you know thinking I can't believe that colored pencils look like this because you're used to seeing most people do colored pencils, and they're not like saturating it all the way. And this yes. guy was like. He had this technique, I wish I could remember his name, where he would kind of do circular motions and build the color up and yep. use like lighter colors on top to get that kind of op opacity and yep. kind of blend the colors with white, I think, or yes. blend the, you know, uh, yes. kind of using the pencils to blend the colors together and they yep. make, made them look opaque and they, and they looked just like oil paint, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, ever since well, I, when I, you... I was in love in love with color pencil and, and when you did that when you worked in color pencil obviously you were you were you were taking your painting sensibilities to that medium yeah but this and is before i even knew how to paint though 
Oh, oh. his his that's what I was saying is his method was like painterly. It, it was the okay. way he built the you know he had you follow a very specific method uh, or methodology, and and it really um, it was all about like no there was no you know when you you know when you draw with colored pencil over a textured surface there will be areas where the pencil's not getting in little yep. speckle and it kind of look you know everybody who's right. listening knows what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah. but if you like yeah. build it up his technique was like you fill that in and you would just build it up and make the uh colored pencil totally opaque and it just had this really rich beautiful yeah uh feeling to it yeah, and it looked just like, like painting yeah, maybe something like a glaze oils. Yeah, where you're seeing exactly. color through color. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was really, it was yeah. funny because it's like I did that one color pencil drawing and I just couldn't believe I had made this pen, this drawing. It looked so good, and then yeah. I and then I never went back to it really, just yeah. because. I mean, I have color pencils. I'm sure I dabbled here and there, but but I never really went back because I always had like. At that point, I was trying to get into makeup effects, and I was sculpting and yeah. doing all this other stuff. But do you think that experience with colored pencils made you more interested eventually in oils, or do you think that you had that you had that sensibility to begin with, and it just came out in whatever medium you were going to? I'm sure. I'm sure it contributed because I remember the feeling of having created that thing, and and it was the look. It's like the look I wanted to get with paint. It yeah, had yeah. that feeling yeah. of, of paintings that I like, but I was always, yeah. I was, like I said, I was raised, my dad was an oil painter. So I just grew up around his studio was the den, the smell yeah. of the linseed oil, all that stuff. I just yeah. grew up around it. So I kind of like absorbed it in a way. And, yeah. um, and he was a workaholic also. So he was working seven days a week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which yeah. most, most artists do. Um, yep. but, but I also was just a, a, a fan of, of uh, like contemporary oil painters like um, Mark Ryden and and mm -hmm. uh, people like Brahm and uh, and yeah. uh, Frazetta. I was a huge Frazetta fan since I was sure. a little kid. Because so my dad sure. got me into Frazetta because yeah, you know he was really into Frazetta, and yeah. so I think that's the reason I went to oils when I started because all my favorite artists were oil painters. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That's but, that's wonderful. <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah, wonderful. So so. Yeah, and it was just yeah, it's a it's a it's a kind of a weird story how I got there, but um I'm glad I did cuz I love it. It's so much fun. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, I, I still you know, even at my age, I I can't wait each day, each morning to get back in the studio. It's just, you know. I know. It's it's what I do and and uh and I love it and I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can, <laughs> as long as I can still hold the pencil. Yeah. Up, you know? so, <laughs> I yeah. feel the same way. I feel like Yeah. When I go to bed at night, I was like, almost always, I'm like, ah, oh, that was so great. And then when I get up in the morning, I'm excited to get started again. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, other than the business stuff, <laughs> that's the, that's right. the, the difficult right. part. But, um, right. Right. you know, but you, you get better at that over the years too. Yeah. 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 But it's just like, I'm just not an organized person. Um, yeah. you seem pretty like, kind of like an organized person with your studio uh, and stuff. You can see, I, I, this is what my, I, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I am organized, but a lot of that is learned. Yeah. I know. Uh, you know uh, hard, hard learned over and over the decades. Yeah. But, 
I just, uh, it's, it's, I've always been like this. It's, I'm sure I could learn it, but it's really difficult for me because I'm just, yeah, I've, you know, I have something wrong with me. But, um, <laughs> no, I think you're, I think you're, you're like, uh, you're like most artists are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I was until I realized that, that, um, that, um, my, the, my kind of disorganization, uh, you're probably one of those people who, who, whose studio might look disorganized, but you know where everything is, yeah. you know where to find stuff. For, yeah. yeah. The important stuff. <laughs> so that's a, that's a form of organization. Right. When I was disorganized, I couldn't find anything. Yeah. I had no idea where all this stuff and and, and I <laughs> you know, I wasted so much time yeah, and energy. Yeah. Um yeah. and I finally realized that the only way I could uh defeat that was was to, to organize things yeah. in, in, in some kind of logic. Yeah. You know, so. I try. You know, it's just weird for me when I when I when I'm painting for a show, um it gets like I, I've got my palette i've got my paints organized i've got mm -hmm. my brushes organized but when i paint for a show it just becomes total chaos it, it, because i i i feel like i usually end up painting it in a short amount of time because i'm because I, I just it's hard because i'm making i don't have any you know backup it's like I'm making money every month and paying my bills for my artwork, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I don't have a pension or anything or, mm -hmm. you know? And so <clears throat> I'm constantly having to work, right? Which yeah. is fine. I'm, I'm, I, I'm here for it. But yeah. so usually I'll end up, my deadline will get pushed. Like when I start for my solo show, like I wanted to yep. start, I have a show at Copper in October. I wanted to start mm -hmm. in January. And I still haven't started. I, you know, it's at the end of February, and it's going to go later yeah. and later. And usually, yeah. what has happened in the pa over the past like ten years, every year when I do a solo show, once I hit the three month part, I'm just like <laughs> the point. I'm just like I have to start, and yeah. then I just yeah. crank for three months. But you know, now that I'm older, I can't. I can't do it like I used to. I used to do the yeah. all nighters and yeah. But anyway, what I was gonna yeah. say was when I paint, I uh, I stay told so focused on this the painting that everything around me is just a chaotic mess of. It's just it's like it's almost like the the process for me of creation is just chaotic and messy. But I'm able to get pieces that I'm happy with out of that. You know. Yeah, and, and, but but I think in that way you're you are more typical uh, of artists. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in the in that everything and what you call chaos is 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 all of this other supportive stuff that 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 is feeding into what you're what you're focused on. Right. Right. In front yeah, of you. yeah. 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 And yeah. everything kind of kind of it's kind of like a funnel. Everything's yeah. funneling into that eventually the canvas. You know, through your mind and yeah. onto the canvas. But all that stuff out there that looks like chaos is actually support material, so to speak, True, uh, yeah. for, for what's coming out on the canvas. Yeah. And I've known a lot of artists like that. Uh, I can't do that because <laughs> what looks like chaos in my studio really is chaos. And I had no <laughs> idea where, you know, what's going on at there, where stuff is. Yeah. Um, I understand. <laughs> so tell me about um, you how did you decide to to go with the monsters for your 
your uh, gallery work because oh boy, it's a it's you know I've been pushing for this thing for I don't know how, six years we've had this podcast, but ever since I started, uh, like in two thousand is when I said I'm going to be a painter. I'm going to teach myself to paint. Around two thousand five, I started showing, mm-hmm. um, with Capro and and some smaller mm-hmm. galleries, and mm-hmm. I've always been very like focused on being a monster guy and doing this kind of dark stuff and sort of trying to champion it because it's this sort of marginalized form of art in a way yep. and not taken yeah. seriously. And yep. but when it, when it's some, some, the, so many of the artists, you're a great example of someone doing just like the highest level work, but we're using monsters as subjects. And my point is like, okay, why is a bowl of fruit acceptable if you paint it, but a monster isn't if you're, if you're painting it as beautifully and it's as well composed and you're doing everything right, there shouldn't be a difference other than taste. But because we're doing this monster stuff, a lot of people just kind of don't take it seriously. So anyway, I've, I've always, it's been my mission with this podcast to try and like legitimize this kind of artwork. Yeah. And, and, And so I'm curious how you, how you, decided on that you know because you could do all kinds of different work i've seen your work you do like more lighter fantasy stuff a little more like my dad used to do mm-hmm. you know but mm-hmm. you're also doing the how did you choose how did you uh the the, the monsters throughout my life have sort of come and gone uh, periodically uh, uh so i i don't know if it was a deliberate decision maybe lately meaning the last five years it was a deliberate decision uh, but largely because I miss them. And, and I think maybe what it comes down to is that, that that fascination, that sensibility, whatever you want to call it, has been in me and in you mm-hmm. probably since we were little kids. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I've always been in monsters. Yeah. I was too. I was three or four. At the time, it was dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, um, <laughs> Those are monsters. <clears throat> yeah. But then. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, I got to know, uh, you know, monster movies and later on uh, monster literature Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and then and then art uh, when I could find it, fantasy and and horror art when I could find it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it always appealed to me. And I think it's because um, and, and here's my justification for doing it. It was there all along in me. And I really ultimately had no choice. Yeah, I could I could suppress it. I could uh, decide it wasn't legitimate or whatever. But but it wouldn't let me permanently let go of it or permanently right. turn my back on it. And I eventually <laughs> had to come back around to it. Um, I love that. And and over of course over decades as as we grow up, your interest gets uh, gets. Um, more sophisticated, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I began looking into to um, you know writings and treatises on on what what makes horror literature, mm-hmm. why it's appealing, etc. Uh, so, but but I never let go of that fascination. That's been there since you know as long as I can remember since yeah. my earliest memories. Same here. <laughs> yeah, I used to I... really disturb my mother when I was <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> I would, I would draw all the other kids are drawing you know the puppy dogs and uh, and uh, and rabbits and and 
when I drew a rabbit, it was not your typical rabbit. <laughs> and and my mother, you know, when I was a kid, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a thing to send your kid to therapy. But I think she would have right. if, it, if it if it had been available at the time. Well, I grew up in the seventies. I was born in sixty seven, and it was like I. I I think about the stuff I was drawing in school. Yeah. And I think it was like that post hippie era where everyone was like it's all good, it's cool, you know, don't don't <laughs> yeah. like the kind of the yeah. the the opposite of my parents generation which was you know more controlling and like conformist and so that yeah. the hippies kind of rebelled against that and yeah. and so everyone was was okay with me drawing that stuff. I I look back on that and my my mom was, was also really, um, cool in that way. Like she understood, even though I did scare her, you know, by, <laughs> by walking in a room with my finger cut off, fake finger cut off. Cause I was doing, <laughs> ma I was learning magic tricks yeah. and, yeah. and learning how yeah. to do all these make fake blood yeah. and stuff like that. I'd I never thought of that. That would have been good. That would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, yeah, I used to just hide things around the house. I, I, I used to, I was kind of a practical joker. I think it was like a combination of, you know, magic tricks, learning magic tricks and monsters that kind of got yeah. me into, um, and loving movies got me into makeup effects and creature effects, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, me too. When I was a little kid, meaning four or five years old, um, <clears throat> my my entire week was organized around Saturday mornings when I could watch the old, because um, the local TV station there, every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock showed one of the old Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan movies. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and my whole week revolved around that. I, <laughs> and, and, you know, if I had to miss one, it was traumatic. <laughs> I, it was, then I needed therapy, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, those old those old movies were, were my first introduction really to, uh, to horror because parts of those, I don't know if you remember the one with the giant spider, like mm -hmm. the car yeah. spider. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Parts of those were very scary for a four or five year old. Yeah, uh, and I was thrilled by the, by that, you know. And and later, of course, got into to genuine horror movies. But uh, that that was um, a big big part of my childhood, mm -hmm. big part of my psyche and my childhood. Yeah, I uh, you know I've I've done a lot of analysis, wondering why I like this stuff because as mm -hmm. as it seems like you are, you're a really nice guy gentle nice person i'm you would think so <laughs> i'm like that i'm very nice all the artists that come on that are kind of doing dark stuff all of them i say this over and over on the podcast they're all super nice they're very kind yep. lots yep. of animal lovers very you know just yep. like nice people and so i've thought about it a lot and um and i did have a i grew up in a uh in a kind of traumatic I, my parents got divorced when i was about five, mm -hmm. my brother and sister did not get along and like, they were seriously fighting like fist fights mm -hmm. and throwing. It was, there was a period of chaos and I would older, kind of, yeah, older, older brother yeah, and yeah, yeah. I was that the makes baby. It, that makes it scarier. Yeah. And so I felt like, um, I know, I know for a lot of my childhood, I felt uh, like left alone, just alone. And I, and I yeah. withdrew into myself and I would always draw you know, but, but I, I, I sometimes wondered 
maybe that's why I was into the horror and the monsters because I was sort of relating that to how I was feeling and it was making mm-hmm. me feel better. Maybe mm-hmm. on the other hand, or also, um, it felt, it feels genetic that I like this stuff. It just feels like I've always liked weird stuff. Like even yeah. if it wasn't, uh, monsters it was always like weird things like i remember they used to play monty python's flying circus Mm -hmm. on tv Mm -hmm. when i was a little kid and those animations Mm -hmm. the terry gilliam animations i just thought were so amazing (laughs) like because they were so weird and those weren't really monstery they were just weird and bizarre and so there's like a, a commonality between this kind of dark stuff and monsters and just the bizarre and odd oddities you know I think that's very true, uh, and and I think uh, I think again it comes around to um, either our genetic just fascination with things that that are, are out of our ordinary experience, out of our daily hour by hour experience, uh, or a need, uh, and 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 this may have been true with you. I think it certainly was true with me, a need to. For, for otherwise nice people to filter what they witness, the, the bad parts right. of the world that they that they witness, we can filter that through our drawings. Right. And it and it's a it's a protective layer. Uh, right. I can explore monstrosities, which I would argue that any monster uh, well, first off, I would argue that for a monster to be really scary really frightening to us it has to remind us of ourselves mm-hmm. it has we have to be able to identify somehow with some aspect yes, of that monster. i agree and then once that identity is there uh, uh maybe we need to draw them get them onto canvas or get them onto paper in order to process our feelings about that monstrosity which right. which in our in our work is obviously visual but uh, I, I think those monsters are symbolic of psychological monstrosities that, yeah. that we may witness or hear about. I agree. I agree. I, so it's like, but the I, I guess what, what I've what I've come to at this point in my life is that I think it's both. It's mm-hmm. like it's kind of like a predisposition, yes. as well as an environmentally a reaction to the environment for me anyway, that I kind of grew up or at least a, a period of my life when I was impressionable and young and was, was going through things where I was yeah. afraid. Plus I yeah. was really shy and kind of, yeah. you know, afraid of adults and, yeah, you know, I, I absolutely agree. I think, I think it's both. Yeah. And I think when that, when that combination, uh, 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 collides, you know, or meets in, in a person, then the result is frequently, not always, but the result is frequently a professional uh, monster artist, <laughs> fantasy artist, you know, and and, yeah. and, and, and here we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what were the, uh, uh, yeah, I remember, I, speaking of drawing in school, I've, I've still got some of my, I've got this big poster, it's just falling apart. Doctor, do you remember the Aurora monster models? From the 60s? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I used to get those in the early 70s, and, I, and I'd get some hand-me-downs from my brother because he used to get them, too. Yeah. And um, there was a Dr. Jekyll. I still have this life-size poster I painted in poster paint, and it's just falling apart. But uh, because I was the art kid in uh, 
uh, grade school, I got yeah. around Halloween was my favorite holiday, yeah. and they let me just paint all the Halloween decorations. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, all yeah. the other kids were doing regular work, and I got to go on the back and paint on, put with poster yeah. paint all these like banners and Halloween banners and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, was, yeah. it was uh, pretty amazing. But um, I, 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 I remember painting that Doctor Jekyll because I still have that. But um, that was another thing I used to. I was into monster models anything like do you remember famous monsters of Filmland? the uh, uh no i don't remember that because that was like a that was uh the like the monster kid magazine that focused on horror movies from okay. like the 50s and 60s okay. um it was great though it's it's uh there's there's a reason i may not remember it because uh, when i was a kid and i remember the the models you're talking about the aurora models mm -hmm. you're talking about and I was born in 56. So, okay. so I was, what, 10 or 11 by the time you were born. Uh, and they were a thing. They, they were they were there already and thing and stuff like that. Right. And I desperately wanted them, but I wasn't allowed <laughs> to have them. Oh, really? You, yeah. You, in my... you grew up in the prime Monster Kid era. The 60s was the Monster Kid era. And the 70s, it kind of like started trailing off. Yeah, I, I did grow up in that era, but I grew up in a southern, very religious family. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, and I wasn't I wasn't allowed to have comic books. Oh no, what a uh, bummer! Couldn't have, I wasn't allowed to have rock music. Oh wow, that's uh, really serious. I, I got to college and discovered Jethro Tull, and I was like, "Oh my God, the music <laughs> music can be like this!" You know, it, it was it was incredible. Wow, wow, how um, oh, cool. I mean that's but, not cool um, that you you missed out as a kid, but it's uh, it must have been a revelation hearing hearing that stuff. It was, and and but when I was twelve, I was adopted into a different part of the family. So, uh, long story short, I'm I'm not a Binkley uh, by birth. Oh, okay. I was adopted by the Binkleys when I was four, mm -hmm. and then adopted again by a different part of the Binkley family when I was twelve. Oh wow! That that teenage family were the classical musicians. And oh, okay. so my world opened up, uh, substantially then, uh, wow. but, but, but still, um, rock music was frowned upon, it wasn't yeah. forbidden, but it was right. frowned upon. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, horror art was, was something from my childhood. I kind of skipped over it in my teen years hmm. and then returned to it in college. And after that, okay. Uh, what were, uh, what was there were there any horror films or horror monsters that you really liked uh when you were a kid oh lots because i was yeah. a i was a frankenstein guy yeah frankenstein yeah. i i kind of he's my my favorite of all the monsters yeah. especially the universal yeah. monsters that um I, I i had a religious experience of sorts and the first time i saw a creature of the black lagoon yeah <laughs> uh, that, that just changed you know changed my what, life it one of my one of my best us. one of my best friends had that same experience it's like it, it, it's just a perfect way yeah. to describe it but that yeah. was that was an amazing i mean i think Frankenstein's monster was kind of a fluke that it looked so cool because of Boris Karloff's mm -hmm. face. Because I mean, I know that I'm a, a movie nerd, so I know that he took his bridge out. Uh, he had a bridge, a, a like a denture bridge, dental bridge. And, yeah, huh. dental bridge, and he took that out, and that made his face sink in. Oh wow! So it's like that. if you look at, there's a really sunken <laughs> inside of his face yeah. to make the character better. So it's like, yeah. 
it was it's it's uh and the, the idea of the flat top is doesn't make sense but it it seems like it came together in a way that was sort of magical yeah. to me and it just looks cool yeah but the creature is a, a seriously amazing design even now yes. if you look at yes. it it's beautifully designed and it was a, designed by yeah. a woman did you know that no i didn't it was oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. It was like uh, uh, I think it was like she was the designer, and I think the sculptor and the male heads of the department at Universal took the credit for it. Yeah, yeah. well, see, that's that's what I always understood, <laughs> or I guess maybe I assumed that that Karloff himself just designed it. Oh no, uh, no. But that's cool to find out. Uh, it was uh, Jack Pierce. Like I, I'm, a, I'm a makeup nerd like I, yeah. <laughs> this jack paris he did the uh um the wolfman and uh he didn't do the creature but he did uh he he was weird he he did he did what's known as like these build-up makeups like they used to do in the old days to where they would build up wax every day they'd have to build yeah. it up and yeah. There, a certain uh, period, I think in the 40s, they started sculpting prosthetics and making molds and running this new material called foam latex and gluing these prosthetics on. So you kind of have more control in, a, in the sculpture. And uh, he kind of went out of favor after that because he was uh -huh. he was like, I'm the build up guy. I'm not going to learn this new technology. A little bit of yeah. nerdy wow. <laughs> makeup history wow. for you. <laughs> Wow. I'm a super I'm a super I'm a super movie nerd, wow. especially when it comes to the movies. No, I think that's movies. great. Uh I, I discovered recently, uh to 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 my shock and, and delight that um remember um who was the, the actress who played the Bride of Frankenstein? Oh Elsa uh, Manchester Lan Lanchester Lan Lancaster, Lan yeah. Um <laughs> that she was much later who 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 I loved. I also loved, you know, her look. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in that movie, uh, just just tremendous, iconic uh, makeup and and hair, uh, and and only just realized recently that she was in Mary Poppins. She was one of the the uh, suff suffragettes. Suffragettes. Oh in yeah. The movie Mary Poppins. She, yeah, much she, older, obviously, but but uh, but she, uh, she go was back in and watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go back and watch Mary Poppins again. It's just fun to see her. In, she in was in a, a a bunch of stuff. She was in. I'm trying to find this. I think it's Millicent Patrick is the name of the. Let me see. I have to know. I have to know now. The Forgotten Woman who designed the creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. Uh, let me. Uh, Millicent Patrick. Yes. There's a book that came out about her recently. The Lady from the Black Lagoon. Wow. Like, yeah. Interesting, wow. huh? That is um, great. Uh, she was also in. Did you ever watch the Night Gallery? You remember Night oh, yeah. Gallery? Yeah, Rod Serling. Yeah. Do you remember the episode with the lady that called Green Fingers? It's. I don't it, remember it she, by title. She plants. She these she does these. Somehow she's planting these fingers on the ground, and they're growing finger plants or something. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she, that's her. She, she's, she's, uh, okay. yeah. She's, uh, anyway, yeah. She was in, she was in all kinds of like TV shows and stuff as well yeah. as an older yeah. woman. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's great. Yeah, yeah. So 
How about Twilight Zone and stuff? Did you? Were, oh yeah, yeah. That that yeah, was a big Twilight one. Zone. Uh, outer. I'm old enough. To oh remember, yeah. Outer limits. Outer limits. Me too. Yeah. I used. To, I, I got mean, all that. Prime time. Oh okay. Yeah, because I got all that stuff in syndication uh, when it came yeah. around the second time. Yeah. But I was yeah I was into it. The Zan- do, you, do you remember the Zanti misfits with those little ant people, those little aliens? Mm. No, I don't remember that. Outer limits. You got to see this. Look on uh, YouTube. Uh, it's okay. amazing. It's like you're like little okay. ant ant creatures. With What's he- it called? I'm taking notes. Here. <laughs> the Zanti misfits. I think it's Zanti misfits. Yes. Okay. It's it's a really great uh, creepy. They're like these. I think they're like they're like. Uh, Aliens from a penal colony, and they're and they're ants about like this big, uh-huh. ants, and um, they have human faces. Oh, it's cool. so creepy. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> going off on a uh, tangent a bit. Uh, yeah. It's a great one though. But yeah, uh, Outer yeah. Limits is it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, Z A N T I. Okay, I'll, I'll stop talking about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll look it up. I've got it down. Yeah. I'll fix it. I've got it down Z A N T Y, but I'll fix it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So did we, as, as far as, uh, we, we were talking about the, the getting into galleries. Yeah. You, you just, sorry. I, I, I took us off of that. That's the way the, that's the way this podcast is though. It's great. It's just like a regular yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was just wondering uh, how you kind of like, because you could have gone into the gallery scene and showed more of your fantasy work, which I, a lot of people I, would probably choose over the dark stuff. But I'm personally glad you chose your monsters because, you know, I have this a real affinity towards your work. Yeah, thank thank you. I, I think, you know, back to that Spectrum convention, when, when those collectors uh, uh, convinced oh, okay, me right. that, that, that I need to uh, start producing originals. Uh, those first that for those first few years um, were the lighter fantasy there the 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 beautiful fairy type uh, uh, mm. fantasy work that I did um, and I was enjoying those at the time I was having a lot of fun um, uh, loved the medium you know, just loved doing those in color pencil yeah. um, and got some some uh, mild interest from a couple of galleries uh, for for a couple of group shows i did not approach any galleries i was contacted by them oh nice uh because of the internet which is just a miraculous yeah i, I think a lot of the young younger artists don't understand yeah. you know, how miraculous that it is yeah um uh compared to you know when we were kids but, yep. but or when we were young artists um but uh I started getting some mild interest from galleries for a couple of group shows here and there, but uh, but still the conventions were uh, were my my first point of contact with collectors, um, and the the most recent round of of the the monsters the horror images that I'm doing started. Um, uh, and my retirement came about right smack in the middle of the pandemic. Mm. Uh, so I was teaching online, mm-hmm. uh, which I've, I've been very comfortable with the computer for years. So that was not technically not a problem. Uh, and I decided my very last semester of my career that I was going to do something I, I wanted to do. And so I created an elective course that was just titled Monsters. Cool. <laughs> no description or anything. It was just uh, that was the title. That's the class I would take. 
And uh, and uh, because it was online, it filled very quickly, and it filled with people from around the world. I had students from uh, California. I had a student from New York. I had a student from Paris. Amazing. Uh, uh, and a student from London, as well as students from right here in Madison, Wisconsin. This was through the school you were teaching at? like Yeah, through okay. the college. Uh, but but I was chairing the program, and I got to create the curriculum. So I, and it's my last semester. So I just thought, by God, I'm going to I'm going to have fun with this, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. and so I taught a monstrous course, and we had we had a wonderful time. Uh, and I was teaching, I was showing them the color pencil technique, mm. uh, several different approaches to uh, generating monsters, to creating monsters, uh, and that's where the last round sort of came from. And to my great surprise, but I am working back around to the gallery thing. <laughs> uh, to to my great surprise. Uh, the the monsters and the horror art ended up being more popular than the beautiful fairy stuff that I had done a couple of years before that by by many by several factors. Wow, uh, three or four times as popular uh, and in demand as much, and uh, uh, so that work started getting into uh, the, the juried annuals and and uh, and uh, getting a little more attention. Uh, and eventually, uh, uh, a couple of galleries approached me about uh, some some larger shows, some larger group shows, and ultimately, uh, Copro Gallery contacted me about doing a solo show. Uh, which, uh, you know, solo shows at Copro Gallery can might be a solo show or it might be a joint show with uh, with another artist. And uh, several years ago, I had the privilege of doing a joint show with Alan Williams. Oh who's, yeah, uh, yeah. Who's who's also one of my art heroes? Yeah, he's and, amazing. Uh, he's been on yeah, the podcast too. Yeah, is he? Is yeah, he good? he's yeah. great. Super nice yeah. guy. And and he's another wonderful guy. Mm -hmm. he, he and Vicky and wonderful people. Really, yeah. And um, uh, so so that's kind of that that's kind of been my gallery story. And and I've been in other group shows, uh, like at the Haven Gallery and, and places okay. like that. And I had a solo show at the. Um, Boehner Gallery in Australia. Oh, a couple cool. Years ago too. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I that also was also. during the pandemic. So, yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. Uh, yeah, I'm so glad to see you showing at, at Copro, especially. But I mean, Thanks. I've been working with Boehner for a long time too. Um, Have you? Yeah, yeah, they're 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 great. Yeah. Um, yeah, internationally shown now here in yeah. you show in Australia. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's been great, and and you know my my gallery career quote quote has been has been recent and very late, um, you know just just in literally in the last maybe six or seven years. Totally. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad. Well, your stuff's so good. You know, anyone would be crazy not to show it, Thank especially you. a gallery like Copro. You're you're perfect, because. Um, you know, they show my stuff, and <laughs> they show a yeah. lot of a lot of yeah. weird kind of. And then they're so good at, at advice too. Uh, oh yeah, they, they give me a lot of guidance. And, he and, uh, that's uh, that's what happened with me. Uh, Gary is their uh, Capro. Gary's the yep. first. He was the first person that started buying my work and gave me mm -hmm. a solo show, and he was yep. uh, 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 gave me advice throughout my early career when I didn't know what I was doing. And yeah. I have to say after 20 years, he's never done anything um, dishonest or underhanded. Oh, no. Super cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. To totally trustworthy. I told I trust yeah. him fully. And um, 
it's, yeah, that's it's, been my experience too. Yeah. So it's good. It's good that you got hooked up with them because a lot of, well, not a lot, but there are people out there that, yeah, in the art world that are not like Gary and Erica. You know? Sure. And and I was nervous about it yeah. too. Because, yeah. You don't know. I didn't know the gallery world at mm -hmm. all. You know, and and uh, so I, I thought, you know, well, I'm just gonna take a deep breath and <laughs> and trust him, and and it worked. It's worked out really well. It's worked out very nicely. Yeah, I you know I, I should I'll mention I I have a I'll record an intro to this episode and I okay. will mention the show also but we didn't mention the show we should mention oh, the show you have a solo show <laughs> coming up okay opening uh, this Saturday this Saturday uh, yeah the second uh, six p.m. at Copro Gallery yes in Santa Monica so. I'll be there um, oh good I'm bringing Wonderful. yeah me and Gabe Leonard are coming Gabe Gabe Leonard I don't know if you. Uh, I'll send you a link to his work. He's a really great painter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know his work. I've never, never met oh, him. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Me and him, I think are going to ride the train out there because yeah. we've, cool. got, we've got a train in LA now and I never have ridden it really. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, so uh, everybody, in, if you're in LA, a lot of people, most of our listeners are actually in the LA area according to the stats on my, okay. on the uh, SoundCloud. So if you're listening to this, this airs Wednesday, Saturday, the, what date is that? The Saturday, the second, the second Saturday, the second yeah. is the opening. Right. And right. If, and if you can't make it to the opening, you got to see the, uh, you can come later and see the show too. But, um, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see what you've got for the show. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, it's been fun, and and again, Gary's been great. You know, helping me prepare. Yeah, everything for it. So. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Um, yeah, and I and I saw that you had a, a some tool posters. I did. That's I, also I, yeah. so cool. <laughs> well, thank you. That, that that means a lot coming from you because you're you're like the uh, the tool poster veteran. Uh, <laughs> I've uh, done a there. few, but and uh, and uh, no, it's it's uh, that's been a wonderful experience. Um, uh, two posters, uh, Atlanta and Corpus Christi on the, on the, their current tour. Mm. Uh, and the response to those has just been, a, you know how that goes. The response has been overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, literally at times I, I, I had a, a backlog of, of, uh, prints that took me, uh, uh, a lot of late nights to 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 get through and get them shipped out. Yeah. Uh, but it's been fantastic, and they're such wonderful people to work with too. Oh yeah, yeah. And tool tool fans are also very like hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> loyal. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm learning that now. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. Re really amazing, really amazing yeah. bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah, and, and invariably all all very nice people. Yeah, absolutely. I've had uh, great experiences with them. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's great that you're kind of, um, your, your work in the gallery scene is kind of on this fast track, mm -hmm. you know, it's like faster than, than normal, I think. Yeah. It's, it's right now it's as much as I can keep up with. <laughs> so that's, it's, it's, uh, which is nice. You know, if, if you're an artist, that's the problem you want. That's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, but I, but I, again, I think it it's, speaks to the 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 quality of your work. You know, when you do, you know, there's a lot of I, a lot of artists listen to this podcast. A lot of up and coming artists or people that want to be artists um, listen to the podcast. And you know, I talk a lot about the hard work. You have to 
You really have to do the legwork, the networking and all that stuff. But ultimately, if the work is really good as yours is, it doesn't have to, you know, it, it doesn't, people recognize quality and they will, any decent gallery will, if your work's good enough, will give you a show, you know? Yeah. Thank so, you. so Thank you. I think that's a testament to how amazing your, your stuff is. Oh, it's dog. Hold, could you hold on one second? Thank you. My, sure, can you hear sure. my dog barking? No. Oh, okay. Maybe nobody hears no, it. I'll just leave him. It's yeah. a little little pug barking at the uh, <laughs> the trash garbage truck outside. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't hear it here. Okay, maybe it's not coming through, so I won't. I won't stop. Um, so, how about? Uh, do you have any uh, plans for the future other than just kind of like keeping doing what you're you're doing? And well, the the only thing that they're actually. Uh, hard planned now they're actually scheduled uh i, I will be in the um uh fable and folklore show oh yeah i'm in that too um good good yeah. uh at copro yeah. uh sponsored by beautiful bizarre magazine that's in april is it i i, I better look that up yeah. i have to finish the piece yeah <laughs> same i haven't started mine yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i'm waiting for the canvas to be delivered because i'm doing something a little bit bigger than normal yeah, oh, that would be fun to see. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm in that, and um, uh, I will be. Um, I am also in the Enchanted Brush show, which is I don't know if mm -hmm. if you're familiar with that. Uh, sculptor Dan Chadinsky uh, is the curator of the Mazo Museum of, of it used to be called the Mazo Museum of Children's Picture Book Art. Mm. It's in uh, Findlay, Ohio. Okay. Uh, and he does an invitational show there each summer. And I'll be in that, uh, a single piece in that this summer. Okay. Uh, and then the next big event, uh, and the last event I have scheduled is the IX art show in, uh, Reading, Pennsylvania in October. Okay. Yeah. I've so, heard a lot about that show. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it, it has become my, my sort of a convention home now. It, it, it's do, a four day. Do, yeah. Do you have a booth there? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a four day convention. Uh, and, um, the, one of the cool things about it, if, if anyone who lives on the, uh, on the East coast, uh, New England area, if you can get to Reading, uh, one of the wonderful things about the show is uh, it's actually two shows. Uh, there's the main show, which is a juried, uh, uh, show of about 60 artists, I believe. Uh, and that runs for four days. But in addition to that, two of those evenings, they have, a non-juried show that has about 200 more artists wow. in it, uh, just in the evenings. Uh, and, and that's, that's really fun because it's a lot of young artists, early career artists, mm -hmm. uh, people who are just starting out sort of trying to get a foothold and the energy in that show is, is really fun. It's really fantastic. And it's all fantasy art is geared yeah. toward fantasy art. So. Yeah. I've heard great things about it and yeah. I've always wanted to, to, to do it, but it's uh, such a long travel tr to oh, carry yeah. a booth worth of stuff, ship it or drive. It's like, yeah, 2000 miles. Yeah. Yeah. Even, um, I mean, I was doing conventions. I was doing monster Palooza every year mm -hmm. out here. Cause that was like 15 minutes from my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even yeah. that I'm having a hard time with because <laughs> just, yeah. you know, setting a booth up is I, I stopped during the pandemic. I stopped doing conventions and 
I just I can't bring myself to do it again because it's such hard work. Yeah, it's it is a lot more work than than a lot of people realize. Yeah, especially yeah. when the you know long hours and I'm I'm wiped out for a week after you know yeah. sore and every year it gets worse. <laughs> yeah, so I've I've wanted to apply to to Monster Palooza, but that that's the distance thing for me. Yeah, you know, Wisconsin yeah. to to LA is is a, a long way to ship stuff or or carry it. And, yeah, uh, it, it might be. Maybe for you, like something, I don't know, if you could find something simple, you know, like only like a certain amount of prints and a certain size yeah. that you can kind of carry on a, a, or right. put in a suitcase maybe. But, right, you know, it's one of those things where, where when the at conventions you want to like make as much money as possible because you have all these people there that are right. wanting to spend money on this kind of art. So, right. you, you know, you want to st stack it full. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there's the expense of the convention itself. It, it, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, you have to sell a fair amount of art to break even. Right. Yeah. At conventions. Yeah. 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 It's a great convention though. Monster Palooza is. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've seen it online. It looks, it looks wonderful. If you ever get an opportunity to, to go to it, just to, just to go, like if you happen to be in the neighborhood or, mm -hmm you want to make the trip. It's really inspiring. It's really yeah. amazing. I mean, it, yeah. it might, it, I'm sure it's kind of like the, uh, the, uh, IX show. Is that what it's called? IX? Yeah. It used to be called Illux Con and now right. it's the IX art show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's yeah. probably as inspiring, but it, but it's more, yeah. it's very monster. It's all monsters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. Yeah. And a lot of masks and stuff. Yeah, a lot of cutting edge uh, artists there. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah, I should I should attempt that sometime because Ilixcon is 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 beautiful and inspiring, but it is a broader definition of fantasy art. Right. It's, uh, there are some monsters there. Right. You know, at, yeah. <laughs> uh, my contingency, but but uh, but uh, it's it's uh, there's all kinds of all kinds of work there. It, yeah. It, it's really really amazing. Yeah, weren't they having? Like people like Boris Vallejo teaching, like doing seminars and stuff a while back. Uh, yeah, Boris and Julie uh, Bell, are both both uh, uh, are exhibitors there. Uh, every year I've been there. This, this would be my fourth year now. Mm. Uh, they're both there, and uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's some very big names in in fantasy art, uh, and the the venue itself is fascinating too. It's in the um, the old Goggle Works factory hmm. in Reading, Pennsylvania. They make goggles for World War II. Oh, how cool. And so it's this old four five story uh brick building uh that that uh still looks like an old factory oh, that's that sounds... been converted to an art space. That sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I should go out some one time just to just to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um wow, well thank you so much for coming on. That was so much fun. I uh, Thank you, Chad. It's been great. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time, and I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, Thank you. And uh, hopefully we'll keep showing together. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, everybody go to the show on Copro uh, on Saturday at Copro Gallery. Um, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to be there. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Excellent. I look forward to meeting you then. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. So, 
Um, the last thing we have to do for the podcast is you just have to say goodbye to the audience. This is a custom that I do every podcast and it's dumb <laughs> and I can't stop doing it. So you just say goodbye in whatever, whatever way you want. Just say goodbye to the audience, however you like. Okay. Thank you, Chad, for having me on. It's been great. And, uh, you know, one final word to, to young artists again, get your work out there and get, get your work out there and talk to people, right talk on. to people like Chet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And talk to people like Ed. <laughs> All right. Thanks All right. a bunch, Chad. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening.